Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by the Tome Show Network. I'm your host, James Intercasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor and give us baller ratings on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Today's episode is a special roundtable. We've got updates from some big third-party developers. Wolfgang Bauer of Cobalt Press will be here talking about the Midgard Heroes for 5th edition D&D book he just released. Stephen Helt of the Four Horsemen has a bunch of updates to give us, including some tasty 5th edition tidbits. And it's all about the third phase of his company, the Four Horsemen. And Liz Tice of Lone Wolf Development is going to be talking to us about Pathfinder class packs for Hero Lab. We'll also dish with her about their efforts to reach out to Wizards of the Coast to make some stuff for D&D. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell them your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them, and then it's off to the interviews. Noble Knight is an online game store. D&D, they got that and more. And if you think out-of-print games are nice, shop Noble Knight, cause they've got the best price. And if you got gaming products to sell, then Noble Knight will buy them as well. So go to the place where gaming's the bomb, and head over to NobleKnight.com. And don't forget to tell them, the Tone Show sent ya! Okay, everybody, I am here with everybody's favorite kobold-in-chief, Wolfgang Bauer. Wolfgang, how are you today? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Ah, thanks for coming on the show. So I'm really excited because you're here to talk to us about a new 5th edition product from one of my favorite places, Cobalt Press. Yes. <laughs> uh, Midgard Heroes for 5th edition. Absolutely. We just released it. In some ways, it's about time, right? Midgard <laughs> players have been asking us for a while. So, you know, I want to play something that's not in the player's handbook. I want to play one of the Gearforged. I want to play a ghoul. I want to play one of the Raven Folk or the Trollkin. How do I do that? Right? <laughs> so, and the answer for about a year has been, well, we've sort of been kicking around some ideas, but we don't. I don't know quite where we're going with our fifth edition line, so we're not publishing it, right? Mm -hmm. And then at Gen Con this year, we released uh, a really small supplement called Southlands Heroes for fifth edition, which was – it was really just like a, a stretch goal for the Southlands project, which is a Pathfinder book about the Arabian Nights and Egyptian adventures and all those things. But the response to it was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> right? We're like – it's this little thing. It'll make it nice to play in the setting. People will dig it. And people are like all over it. <laughs> like, okay, people like the fifth edition. I knew that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was a factor in in doing Midgard Heroes, right? Because it was, it was so clear that people want to play um, different character options to have more backgrounds. Um, I mean, Midgard Heroes does stuff that's 
super uh, specific to Midgard and things that are so general they'll fit in any campaign, right? Like Midgard has Corsairs and Nomads as backgrounds. Come on. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's going to be brutally hard to fit into your campaign. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that those are a guild merchant. That's that's <laughs> tough. Um, and and then there's others that are maybe a little tougher, like Fey Touched, hmm. um, where your character is not a full blown elf or anything, but you know there was some a few generations back, let's say, right? Your your hero has an ancestor who was elf blooded or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all things that, I mean, this is what people said with, with Southlands, like, well, we just want a few more options and there's not enough backgrounds and we'd like somebody to, to step forward with that. So we did. Uh, Midgard Heroes is like 30 pages. It's full color. It's, it's all the races um, that you really need to play in Midgard and a bunch that are totally portable. Um, and some of them, I'm really happy to say Dan Dillon did the design work on this, uh, and kind of nailed it with the Trollkin, for instance, mm-hmm. um, because they regenerate, um, slowly, but a little. And <laughs> <laughs> the, when I told him, well, that's the standard Trollkin in my home campaign, right? They, they regenerate slowly. And he kind of looked at me like, you're not going to make me try to balance that, right? <laughs> make that into a player, right? That's going to stay an NPC. And I'm like, no, Dan, it's your job. Make it work. <laughs> uh, and the amazing thing is we went round and round with it, but he did, right? So you get a bonus action to to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work if you've taken fire damage. Um, it, it, it's not hugely overpowered, but wow, it feels great to say, hey, my Trollkin's just going to regain a couple of dice, right? Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of flavor and lore because some of these races are new, like the Trollkin. I mean, maybe you have an image in your head if you've never heard of them before about <laughs> what is that like, <laughs> right? But the Shadow Fae or the Raven Folk or the Darakul in particular, it's like, what the heck is that? Well... It's an intelligent ghoul. Why would I want to play that? <laughs> Why well, wouldn't you? Maybe. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Right? What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> this is a, a somewhat undead race. They've got undead vitality. They hunger for flesh. Okay, hunger for flesh could be a problem. But um, I mean, they're sort of a dark side, bad boy, anti-hero race, mm-hmm. right? People who, who might otherwise play a tiefling uh, might say, you know, I'd rather play a Darakul. They're... They're badass. They, they are. They're weird and alien and kind of fun to play. And somebody who's going to play a Kender most days is probably not, you know, the audience for the Darakul. But <laughs> somebody who likes playing uh, uh, something a little darker is is going to going to dig it. And of course, so there has to be the lore explaining who are these people? Why do they have an empire in the Underdark? How do they fit into um, a campaign setting? And you know, do I? Do I want to buy into that heritage and that lore as well as the mechanical benefits of, hey, I, you know, dark energy of the <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I, I think it's a ton of new choices um, plus variations on existing themes and – and that's very appealing to people. It has it has rocketed to the top of our like most popular list and gotten a lot of good reviews. I have to be 
honest and say the the Southlands Heroes when it first came out got two or three really I wouldn't call them vicious reviews. I'd call them brutally honest reviews, right? <laughs> Where it's like, they care about this particular bit of phrasing, which you have done wrong. And, you know, this is not correct. And this smells like Pathfinder over here. I don't I, – I mean, no, don't do it that way, right? <laughs> um, just things that, that are a matter of tone and presentation um, that bug people and other things that were like deeper problems that we – Oh, some publishers never go back to stuff after they've already released it. Right, Cobalt right. has a uh, either a a reputation or a obsession with going back to make it right. <laughs> um, we revisit material and issue, you know, a new PDF with all the changes, and that's that's what we did for Southlands, right? And so, um, the second round of reviews was, oh, well, this is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> But the initial impression was, we're a little concerned that Cobalt Press isn't 100% on the 5th edition, like, tone. It's like, well, we've been playing it for years. (laughs) You know, we wrote some adventures for it. We feel like we know it. Right, right. Clearly, we need to, like, sharpen our game in terms of, like, how we present it. Mm -hmm. Um, And our reputation has been made on, on Pathfinder products. So, I... I get where that comes from. But what all that means is for Midgard Heroes, man, did we – we went over it and over it and over it to make sure that all of the sorts of things that we learned from Southlands Heroes um, would be addressed in, in Midgard. And our, the first couple of reviews have come in at five stars and everyone's like, hey, this really works. And oh my goodness, it's five bucks for 30 pages. That seems like a deal. Um so, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the extra the extra effort and and the awesome, sort of awesome opportunity to put out a new five e campaign setting, um, or make it playable in just in just thirty pages. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Midgard's my baby; it's near and dear to me. I I want it to be playable with whatever system you love. Um. And this really accomplishes that as well as just more general options. Yeah, I mean, I think this answers a lot of different uh, cries. You know, the first being obviously the cry for the dearth of player options in 5th edition D&D, right? So it's great to have that answered. But I love that it also answers the call for bringing Midgard into the uh, 5th edition world which is amazing because now it's super easy you've got all the lore in one book right that that you can go to to pull and now people can play all the character options and everything that exists there which is just you know it's it's awesome and if you haven't played in the campaign setting yet what are you doing with your life go check it out there's something for everybody in that campaign setting it's amazing really it really is meant to to cover just a ton of ground and be super playable and and yeah it continues to be uh winning over new fans i'm like what's been out for three years and we've done a dozens of adventures and all this support and some people are still discovering it because we're a smaller press right when we announce something um some people hear it and a lot of people are are unfortunately not quite in our orbit haven't discovered the glory that is cobalt press just yet that means they get to discover it now so 
Totally, totally. Well, so last time you were on here, Wolfgang, right? We talked yeah. a little bit about the the frustrating lack of an OGL from Wizards of the Coast. And you yeah. had hinted that you might be doing some things like this. And then we recorded a lot of your panels at Gen Con that the listeners have heard, where you talked more about how, uh, maybe even hinted at, I'm not sure how much you can comment on, but hinted that there's something coming. And we also talked to Mike Merle and Jeremy Crawford, who said, you know, that there will be an OGL. We think people are going to be happy with it. It's in development. You know, it's it's kind of out of our hands at this point. There's a lot of other people who need to look at it. So it sounds like things are moving forward. Um, is this just a, a taste of what might be coming from Cobalt if the, if the floodgates are opened and the OGL is announced? Yeah, this is us getting our feet wet and, and saying, okay, what do we need to know, right? And and honestly, I wish I could say that Cobalt Press was first out the gate with this sort of fifth edition support, but it's not the case, right? Um, Goodman Games and Frog God and, and others have kind of blazed a trail uh, for fifth edition support without an OGL or a license being fully available. Um, and at Gen Con, it just became so obvious to me that I, I fans were asking for it. Midgard was suffering because there was no fifth edition support. Um, and, you know, it it was it, – it just became really obvious that the OGL from Wizards will come when they're ready. Um, but in the meantime, it makes a lot of sense to do small projects that um, that give you a lot of play value, frankly, for the page count, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can create – eight different characters with seven different backgrounds here out of Midgard Heroes. You can run a whole campaign out of this set of character options. Um, it's a little bit in the fifth edition tradition of, well, we're not going to ship a million things, but the things we ship are going to be, um, you know, useful, playable. Um, they're going to have high utility. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at with it. I I really want Mike and Jeremy to be able to make the announcement I know they want to make, which is, oh, hey, here's this license, right? Um, But, yeah, the timing on that isn't up to me, and it's not even, as they said, entirely up to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the word is soon. (laughs) and. I don't know what that means anymore. (laughs) I want it to be sooner. But I'm not the only one, right? (laughs) I think the floodgates would open if that's the case. Um, We have things that we'd like to do. It's not a lot of projects, but it's like, okay, big, ambitious things. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm checking the mail. I'm... Looking at EN World, <laughs> like, <laughs> when is this going to hit? Mm-hmm. I had my hopes that it was going to be at Gen Con or shortly thereafter. And, uh, and now I'm just like, man, if it hits by the end of the year, that would be nice. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm kind of feeling the same way. It'd be great to have, you know, Star Wars and uh, the holidays and an OGL all in one month. It'd be the greatest month Woo! of the year, you know? <laughs> yes. Geek Nirvana. Bring it all. Bring all the gamer goodies, please. <laughs> the 
things that you have put out over the last, I, really the last month or so that I have been getting, uh, you know, I got all my stuff from the Southlands Kickstarter, everything down yeah. to the little coin that I got uh-huh. is amazingly well-crafted and really well-made. It's clear that you have a love for this stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, life's too short to make junky stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the people we work with tend to be the ones who are like, yeah, I know that I said I was done with the manuscript, but there's two little things I need to fix before you go to press. I'm like, <laughs> on the one hand, <laughs> I say to myself, that's great. You're really concerned that it be as good as possible. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, that's going to cost us another day. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but that's sort of the level of, of investment that people have as editors or artists or game designers at Cobalt Press. We, we try to work with the people who really just want to nail it. And so, um, yeah, I guess it shows. Eventually our obsessions uh, become public and people say, man, you guys knocked yourselves out on this thing. So it's true. Uh, it's one of the best produced books i think i have in my whole collection it's thick it's amazing i mean this southlands thing guys you got to check that out but if people want to get uh your latest product for fifth edition uh for midgard where can they go buy that how can they pick it up sure thing um the midgard heroes for fifth edition is available as a print title on amazon it's available in pdf on drive through uh, and you can get both print and PDF as a bundle uh, at the Cobalt Press store, cobaltpress.com. Click on the store link. Um, yeah, so those are the three main venues. Some talk, some crazy talk about getting this into distribution and local hobby stores, um, but we're not quite there yet. That's something that would probably have to wait on a license. So Nice, nice. But people can go get it right now. Right now. Yes. Grab it now. It's five bucks in PDF. It's like 14 bucks in print and um, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so very worth it. And it's going to expand the options for your game like crazy. So go check it out. Uh, go. You could be playing an intelligent ghoul tonight. Tonight. I don't know why you wouldn't, man. But, you know, if you prefer to play a centaur or if you prefer to play a kobold or a minotaur or one of the shadow fae, which we've barely talked about but are so awesome, mm-hmm. um, yeah, those options are all there. The troll can get your regeneration on. They all put a real spin on, on what you're playing. There's also sample characters, some NPCs available. Uh, on the Cobalt Press blog, like a Shadow Fey assassin mm. who makes a great NPC villain, if you're so inclined. <laughs> um, and one of the Gear Forged, one of the Construct Race folk, I don't know if that NPC's up, probably by the, the time this is live, um, there's a Gear Forged cleric that we're also putting up as an NPC to show like what's in the heroes and what can you build with it. Yeah, well, I am super, super happy with uh, with all of this, and I'm super happy with the options that you have come out with. Give people a little taste of the of the Shadow Fay. You know, I know you've got to run, but go ahead and, and give them like a two word. What what can a they expect? Two word summary. <laughs> well, I guess Shadow Fay is the two word summary. That is the two word summary. They're they're elves gone bad, right? They're um, <laughs> they made a pact. They're the lords and ladies of of twilight and the dark, right? And they, um, how to put it, they walk the path of shadows. They are, um, they're really good with certain things like 
Shadow Roads, Mystic Portals, Dark Magic. Um, they're also really great rogues and assassins because did I say shadow enough? I think I did. Um, <laughs> they they come from um, an adventure I wrote years ago for fourth edition called Courts of the Shadow Fey, which was all intrigue and dueling and backstabbing and uh, sort of vicious courtly adventure um, with demons. Uh, spoilers everywhere. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, they're sort of the way I imagine elves who just have kind of turned to the dark side. If Galadriel embraced the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be the Shadow Fang. Well, that's a great way to sell that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a cool book. You've got lots of things that you know and love. Hey, if you want to play a kobold, it's all there for you. Uh, and you've got lots of new things you can work into your campaign. And honestly, how hard is it to work an underground ghoul empire into the world you already have? Not that hard. It's not like you've mapped out the whole Underdark. Let's be real. Okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so true. This is the latest from Cobalt Press. It's got some great names attached to it. It's got some great things in it. You can expand your 5th edition game, really double the size and the amount of races and backgrounds and options and things that are already there for you. So go check it out. Pick it up now. It's only 5 bucks in PDF. It's amazing. Uh, Wolfgang, where can people find you on the internet if they want to uh, praise all the work you've done? <laughs> they can find me everywhere. I mean, I am on Facebook at, you know, Whack Cobalt Press. I have a Twitter account called Monkey King. And, of course, there's the official account at Cobalt Press. I am on G+, although mm, interest fading there. I don't know. It's it's not what it was. And, and of course, the Cobalt Press blog is at cobaltpress.com. We publish things like Hey, free mini encounters and NPCs and previews of new stuff and also just random player advice. So the blog is uh, is published every weekday. Wolfgang, thank you so much for coming on the roundtable today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, everybody. I am here with the one and only Stephen Helt once again. Uh, he is one of the four horsemen. He's an Iron GM champion. Uh, he was an RPG superstar, and he is a great game designer. Steven, welcome back to the roundtable. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, James. So, Steven, you wanted to come on the show because you have some great announcements to talk about with us uh, for Horseman-wise. Um, first, congratulations on becoming a full-time Horseman. That's pretty exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. It's uh, uh Best job I've ever had so far. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, we hope to keep it that way. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what is coming from the Four Horsemen? Well, so we've got uh, uh, a few things that have gone really well for us, and and uh, uh, I'm big on – I just love building this brand. It's been so much fun, and uh, I couldn't ask for better guys. Uh, so we've got some announcements about things that are coming up, and we've also got some announcements about things that uh, – uh, the last time you and I talked, there were things that we were planning and we didn't quite know how they were going to go, and they really impact our future. So uh, I wanted to talk about Gen Con for a little bit because Gen Con's a pretty big deal for us. We meet lots of publishers. We try to host a lot of events. We've been really good at hosting big events uh, for lots of players over the last several years. We had our first uh, inaugural annual uh, Four Horsemen Open. It's a team competition tournament. Uh, man, we had some great tables. We had a lot of fun. 
Uh, and so we liked that enough and everybody had a great time. A lot of people told us they want to come back and compete. So we're going to do that again next Gen Con. So that's our first announcement is we'll do the second tournament in 2016. We're going to call that scenario a war to remember. Uh, and writing on that has already started. So uh, we we had a great time and we gave away a lot of prize support. In fact, we had a few uh, publishers step forward and we even have some more prize support to send out to the to our players who've already played. So they're getting free stuff just out of the blue uh, this week. That's amazing. Just talk to me a little bit about how this competition uh, at Gen Con worked. Well, you know, uh, we uh, love uh, role players and we also love uh, we, uh, all four of us. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a tentative fourth of us. We'll, we're going to have that announcement a little bit later. We won't talk about that one today, but all the four horsemen, we love uh, good in character role playing. And we also don't think that you have to sacrifice in character role playing to be a really effective player or teammate or to enjoy the tactical aspect of the game. So we wanted to put together a tournament where groups of players could role play in character, cooperate well, experience really dynamic, cool, well thought out characters with backgrounds that are important to the scenario. And, uh, uh, Pestilence, Steve Rowe, wrote a fantastic scenario for our first year, and it was great. And so what happens is that we have a certain, uh, there's a, an objective or point-based system. Uh, the players don't get to know what scores them points, but you get a pretty good idea, right? If you role-play well, if you do things that are important to your character's background, if you uh, uh, not just succeed in an encounter, but, uh, but really own the encounter, you get more points. And so a system like that was used to advance three tables to our final. And one of the really cool things that we like to do is we're partnered with so many different publishers and really great names in the game. We had our finals tables were run with two GMs, kind of a prestige system where one horseman and one celebrity from publishing or development of the games or a designer or other luminary gets to also uh, be your GM too. So, you know, we had Brian Berg and we had uh, Owen Stevens, that's uh, TPK Games, and of course Rogue Genius and Paizo. Uh, and then my friend Beg McFarland from Cobalt Press. And so we were all running games together uh, with the Four Horsemen. And, of course, uh, Ben McFarland and I teamed up to annihilate our whole party. I don't know what the other problem was with the other tables, but uh, they didn't keep the <laughs> theirs. Uh, but we had a great time, and the players had a great time, even the ones who all got wiped out. Um, you know, it was a great scenario. Steve did a great job. And uh, uh, the... We're gonna. We're excited to do it again. We'll probably add some tables, add some players, and and really try to build this thing up to be a big tournament every year. Gen Con. That's awesome. It sounds like it was a super super fun time. I'm sorry I missed it. Next Gen Con, I am totally there. You're gonna have to you're gonna bring your friends, grab yourself a table. We try to seat tables of five players, uh, and uh, we we interview and hand select our GM. So we don't have anybody who doesn't have the scenario ahead of time. Uh, we don't have any of those problems you sometimes have at conventions where people got in a hurry or real life got in the way, and so they don't quite know their scenario, so they're just hoping everyone has fun. We we want you to have fun, and part of that fun is our GMs know what they're doing and are there to give you a great time. At the same time, they have to roll all their dice out in the open, and it's a competition, so you know you have to definitely bring your best game. That sounds like a lot of fun, and it sounds like a blast. You're, you know, It's a great way to market your brand and get yourselves out there and everything. What is coming up? Uh, what are you guys releasing here uh that we can uh give the people a little taste about it has been an amazing summer for four horsemen work getting out there in the open uh, we did a lot of work earlier in this year with cobalt press because we were part of the advanced races compendium kickstarter and also part of the wildly successful southlands kickstarter that started getting its books out in fact uh here you know this summer in a gen con southlands uh is out and available people can now go buy it they can go buy it at rpgnowarpizo.com they can go get it um, wherever people carry Cobalt Press products. 
Um, and hopefully it's your local game store. It should be there because in hardbound form, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. That cover art is so fantastic. It's something you just want to have your name in a book like that. Uh, Southlands is my first uh, hardback uh, developer credit. Uh, and of course, all three horsemen are featured in the Southlands Bestiary, in the Southlands book, uh, and in a couple of other side projects related. So it's out and available and it's gorgeous. You should go look at it. Uh, it's just an amazing, amazing setting. Uh, for the Cobalt Press world of Midgard. Uh, also, a uh, tangent to that is we, we branched off into doing some 5th edition work. Uh, Death, Dan Dillon, is a fantastic 5th edition guru. Uh, there's not a lot of 5th edition gurus out there just yet, but uh, he's done a great job over the last several months uh, mastering the system and doing development work for different companies. And so he wrote Midgard Heroes through Cobalt Press, and that book was just released this week, and people should go get that. It's a gorgeous book, and Dan's done a great job, and Dan really understands uh, fifth edition, and he has a passion for it. You know, we've all been D and D, like most people. Dungeons and Dragons was our first game; uh, it's our first love. And he has a huge passion for making sure that game is a success, a success and people have uh, have a good time with it. Uh, Midgard Heroes offers something that is not really available in fifth edition elsewhere. It offers alternate race and class paths, uh, and there's really kind of a dearth of that material across all publishing for fifth edition. So that book is. Uh, uh, it's special and it will be important even if you don't play in Midgard, even if you don't play Southlands or anything like that, uh, the book will be useful for any campaign. We're uh, also out there with uh, the, uh, let's see, the Advanced Races Compendium Kickstarter. That work continues apace. It's not out to the backers for the Kickstarter yet, but we're doing a bunch of work and I am adding a book called the Advanced Race Character Codex uh, where I've got several great designers who are developing NPCs that can, you can add to your game uh, it's some, uh, there are some Midgard details, but it's mostly a setting neutral book. So, uh, though that work is, con uh, continuing and should be out pretty soon. Uh, and then of course we were part of the, the legendary planet Kickstarter for legendary games. And I'm writing the fifth adventure in that series, the depths of desperation, which is an aquatic adventure with a fantastic plot and some scary races. Uh, I wanted to make it really different. I don't want people to think, oh, well, we're going to adventure underwater. I want people to think, oh, how are we going to survive this? And and these are awful choices we have to make. So that's a, it's a, definitely a very difficult sword and planet kind of adventure. Yeah, and you know what's great about that is we had uh, the people from Legendary on talk about that. And Wolfgang Bauer is actually on this podcast talking about the Midgard Heroes supplement that you were just talking about. So as you look to the future here... For the the four horsemen, what's on the horizon uh, that's uh, that's coming up for you guys that you're allowed to talk about? Well, this year the four horsemen are what I call phase three of our development. We are in front of lots of publishers and uh, lots of folks, you know, knew who we are or have hired us and we've done great work for them and they like us. And word of mouth among publishers is really strong related to us. Uh, so our next phase now is because we know that we can get work whenever we want it, and we have you know more work than we can reasonably do without just pushing ourselves to the limit, uh, which which we do. We've got I'd say about two hundred thousand words to develop in the next few weeks for me, uh, in addition to several other projects. So we've got we've got a lot of projects on there uh, with great companies. So now we want to get in front of consumers, people who are Pathfinder and Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons players, and we and and, and a few other role playing games, and we just really want to get to know them and have them get to know us. So we are going to launch a uh, Four Horsemen blog. Uh, there's going to be weekly entries for mechanics uh, and for advice on how to run certain elements of certain role-playing games. And, uh, you know, before long, we'll probably take some requests on topics that we want to handle. Uh, we're going to tie the weekly blog to uh, 
a product of some kind that we're going to release uh, through our friend Owen at Rogue Genius Games. And so there's going to be PDF products that will come out on a weekly basis for the coming next several coming months as we see how it goes. Uh, and then also that blog is going to be hosted by our friend John Reese at d20pfsrd.com. Uh, so as a result, you'll be able to go there anytime you want to look up any kind of mechanics. Hopefully, once you see the blog entry a couple of consecutive weeks, you'll think, well, the Four Horsemen blog, it gives us great information. We're going to start October 1st. October, of course, is Halloween, so we're going to kick it off with something that is near and dear to our hearts. We're going to talk about horror role-playing uh, and how to make horror games, plan horror campaigns, plan encounters with horror elements. Um, a lot of times you find that uh, you know after a certain number of years of role-playing, we just don't, don't react to things with the shock that characters ought to react to. Uh, I think it was uh, the early Ravenloft books that, that talked about uh, trying to set the mood whenever your players are munching Doritos and wading through a, a, a floor full of zombie arms. You know, <laughs> and they're just callous, you know, moving on to the other side of the room. And what we want instead is we want players to enjoy the idea of being afraid for their characters, uh, which, of course, requires good storytelling and it requires careful planning on the part of the GM, really good mood setting. We're going to get some advice about that. We're going to listen some template products that are going to help creatures become something that players have never seen before. Uh, and hopefully that'll all be very popular. But uh, we love, we like the idea of this great partnership with d20pfsrd.org, you know, or uh, .com, I think. We go there. Uh, uh, it, it sounds like we don't go there because I just messed up the name, but it's bookmarked on my laptop, so I don't have to remember stuff like that. Uh, we go there <laughs> and... Uh, uh, we look up things, whether they are, uh, I go there for two big reasons. I go there to look up rules, you know, whenever I'm remote and I don't have all my books around me. Uh, Dan and Ro and I are all old grognards. We like being surrounded by books while we look stuff up. We actually make statistics blocks faster with books and, and notes on paper than we do using spreadsheets and that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's because we've done it for 20 years a piece. The, uh, other reason I go is because there's a lot of material out there from uh, not just Paizo, but third-party publishers. Uh, and so when you want to look up a Pathfinder product and make sure that there's nothing out there that's been done before or that you're not duplicating somebody else's effort, uh, then that is a fantastic resource for making sure that you're doing something original. You can find anything that's been done there, and then, of course, we try to find things that haven't been done, so that's what we do. But we, we're going we're gonna to team up with D20 PFSRD, and we're going to team up with uh, Rogue Genius Games and release products and release that blog every week and we're super excited about it. Uh, with that comes the Four Horsemen website uh, which will be available October 1st. People can go to fourhorsemanofficial.com uh, and check out biographies for us and the folks that we work with, look at products, look at reviews and of course there'll be a link to the blog over at John's site. Uh, and so we're excited to have all of that set up so that players can get to know us a little bit better and also communicate with us and tell us what they're looking for for their next Pathfinder session. Wow, that's awesome. So we're not just talking about a single book or, or publication or something. We are talking about a constant stream of content now coming from the Four Horsemen in the form of this blog and website. That's exactly right. You'll be able to get every week some uh, some bit of advice uh, or something based on our experiences as longtime GMs, uh, and of course, as uh, uh, rising kind of developers and and authors, uh, designers, and so we'll talk about things like horror role playing. We'll talk about things like adventuring on other planets when we talk about sword and planet adventuring and that sort of stuff in December. So, and then we'll highlight a few things that we've uh, written. That uh, of course, there's great synergy there in having customers go and check out stuff that we've written if they like what they read on the blog. At the same time, there's also support for it, so that way you don't get a blog entry that then isn't really useful to you right away. 
you can say, okay, well, I want to set a horror mood. I want to do some scary role playing this Halloween. Uh, what can I go find that is going to help me, you know, put this advice to good use? And so all of that should have great synergy and be great for the, the gamers and the consumers who want to add horror elements or whatever our theme is to their role playing game. Wow, that's really awesome. And who doesn't want to run a horror themed game in the month of October? I mean, uh, I, it, it shouldn't shouldn't be anybody. I mean, Halloween's one of my favorite times of year. I think a lot of gamers feel that way because our imaginations get acted up. Uh, we get uh, we get ready to go out there and have a good time, you know, watching scary movies and playing scary games. And uh, so, uh, may it never be that in the month of October that we are not doing something horror uh, uh, oriented. Nice, nice. And so, go ahead and remind the people for us who the uh, the four horsemen are currently. Obviously, there's a fourth horseman uh, that we won't be talking about on this podcast, maybe at a later date, though. Um, I'm super excited, actually, the next time we talk to have all four of us be around so we can visit with you and uh, uh, and introduce uh, our new war. He'll be available on the blog so people know who that is, but uh, he has a super busy schedule as well. He's been doing design <laughs> for a little longer than the rest of us, and so as a result, he, we just thought it wise to, to work together for a couple of months before we sealed the deal. Uh, I, of course, am uh, Famine. I helped uh, put together and create the Four Horsemen after I won RPG Superstar in 2013. Uh, so Stephen T. Held, you'll see me on Pizer products. And in fact, hopefully uh, by next February, a couple more new Pizer products will be pretty nice. Our next two horsemen are Pestilence. That's my buddy Stephen Rowe uh, and Dan Dillon, uh, who's our kind of our fifth edition expert. Uh, he's deaf. And so War will announce probably the end of the year after we've decided whether he likes us enough to hang out with us. There's no question he's got the design chops and, and can put together a lot of work quickly. Um, we're super excited about him. Yeah, and I mean, the credentials on you guys are ironclad. Uh, you guys really know what you're doing. You've won all sorts of design competitions. You've all got design credits. Um, this is a very, very legitimate team. And it's cool that you guys are all working together. I love the stuff that you're putting out. The products that you guys are working on are hot. Everybody wants to work with you guys. Uh, how does it feel to be able to dedicate full time to this? Uh, it is. Literally, it is a dream come true. Uh, I have been, uh, uh, I, I tell people all the time, the two things that define my life, you know, growing up are I've uh, been a role-playing gamer since I was about 11 or 12 years old since fifth grade. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I've been a Christian since I was in my sophomore year in high school. Those are the two things that kind of define my life and what I like and what I want to accomplish and all that stuff. And in order to be able to actually go part-time in my day job so that I can go full-time horseman, uh, release great role-playing products, meet the wonderful, incredible people that I've met from all walks of life, uh, in this career. Uh, it's all been fantastic. Uh, I, I, as you well know, I never, never get this far into talking about that without thanking Lisa Stevens and Paizo for the RPG Superstar contest. Uh, you know, season nine of RPG Superstar is going on right now. We're in the middle of the map round, which if we had that same map round when I was competing, it would terrify me. But <laughs> it is a fantastic contest. It's a great talent search. It's, it makes the hobby better. And I am just really, and, and one of the things that makes the Four Horsemen really special to me is we are, we are very passionate about making the hobby better. We want to be better stewards of other people's fun. We want to be we want to be responsible for helping grow the hobby so that the the pie gets bigger for all role playing game publishers. We want more people wanting to play the game, more new players who get in for the first time and just have a, a have fun and are immediately addicted like we were. There's no secret that uh, role playing gamers have sometimes been their own worst enemy when it comes to growing the hobby they love. 
And we want that to end, and we want publishers to be having more and more customers to, to put great things out there uh, and please, so that creatives can make a living uh, doing what they love and also providing uh, the, the products that role-playing gamers love. That is, a, I wish I could, like, stand up and cheer right oh, now, but it's, it's a podcast. So. <laughs> but it, it is. It, it is one of the things that brought the three of us that started the, the Four Horsemen together. It's one of the, uh, you know, that we were gamer friends before we knew each other very well, and now we're lifelong friends. Uh, I've known those guys. Uh, gosh, I haven't lived in Indiana in 11 years, uh, 12 years. So I've known those guys for better than 20 years. And uh, they're a couple of my best friends, and we love gaming together. And alongside gaming, we have high standards for what games I look like. So we like being an influence on that. And we just we just love working together. It's just it's fun to, to put so much to put so many words down. It's fun to work together. It's fun to work with these companies. It's fun to work with those guys. I love them dearly. And uh, it's fun to try to influence the hobby with what we think makes great games. Well, congratulations on living the dream. Uh, oh. Certainly deserve it, and you've certainly worked really, really hard for it. Um, what advice do you have for people who are out there? Because there's plenty of them who want to, uh, you know, design full time for a living. What kind of advice can you give to people? You know, it used to be the jaded designer. The device, the advice they gave was, "Don't." You know, you can't make money at this. It takes, you know, not everybody can be a designer, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't. I just don't. Uh, I'm inspired by, uh, you know, Serena Williams just beat her sister, uh, <laughs> and I'm not a tennis guy in a big tournament. And I saw an interview once where someone said to Serena Williams, what makes you think you can beat your sister and be the best player in the world? And her father is standing right there, and he jumps right into that guy. And he mm -hmm. says, you know what? Don't ever do that. If you have a dream to follow, you let people follow it, and you let them follow it. And so don't let anybody tell you you can't be a fantastic designer. Don't let anyone tell you that your uh, uh, designs for the game are not uh, important, will not move the hobby forward. Uh, will not make you a better designer and make other people better players. Uh, now, that's not to say that everybody who thinks they're going to be a great designer is. Uh, that You have to treat it like a business. You have to have a lot of, if you want to be a full-time designer, you definitely have to learn to network, to deal, to get along with different kinds of people. Anything that makes you good in business, uh, read a lot of books about business and about sales. Anything that makes you good at those things will make you good as a designer and a business person trying to build your brand. But at the same time, while not... Uh, is it that movie? I, I don't watch Disney movies all that often. Is that movie Ratatouille? You know, not everyone can be a great chef, but a great chef can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. The same thing with game design. Uh, you can be a fantastic designer as long as you are willing to work hard, network. You have to be able to represent yourself, but also be humble and learn from everyone around you uh, and treat it like it's a real job. And if you don't treat it like it's a real job, then it's just a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you know, if, if you ask me, what's your advice for people who want to be a full-time designer, who want to, to see their name in publication after publication and build their brand uh, as high as it can go, you've got to treat it like a job. You've got to learn to master sales and, uh, and representing yourself. Uh, you've got to be humble and learn from people. Sometimes you'll meet people you don't like, but they're better than you at something, and you have to just swallow your pride and learn it and, and be grateful for the opportunity to learn from uh, so thus far, I haven't really met people I don't like, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, uh, and and those are essentially my advice. But above all, you just have to you have to work hard. You have to put away distractions, put your head down, and you just have to write the darn thing. And uh, if you can't do that, you might build yourself up, acquire a lot of projects, and then never get anything done, and then put yourself in the spot of trouble. Uh, and let your fans down. You don't want to do that. Totally, totally. Write every day. Write design every day if you can. Yeah, you know, my. 
my goal for doing RPG design eventually is to try to branch into writing novels. And uh, I used to ask people all the time, hey, so when it comes to designing, when it comes to writing fiction, you know, what is it that you do? What's the number one thing that you've got to do that I've got to make sure I'm emulating? And I'd say write something every day. It doesn't matter if you're going to publish it. It doesn't matter if you think it's terrible. Just write every day. Hone your craft. Put yourself in a position where you expect to get up and write something. Uh, and that way your your brain will know when it's time, when it's called on, that it's time to work instead of you having to wait for inspiration or instead of you not being in the mood or being hungry, your brain will know it's time to write uh, and you will have disciplined yourself to get the work done. Let's talk a little bit actually about you uh, as a person who writes stories. Um, when you are sitting down to make uh, design an adventure, right? And you're writing that adventure. What do, what do you like to bring to the table? So it's not the same old dungeon crawl or the same old, you know, hack and slash, save the princess kind of adventure. How do you make your experiences different? Because I think you have a real knack for that of like, wow, this is cool. This feels different. Even when it's part of a larger adventure path or that kind of thing, your adventures always stand out as fun, unique experiences. What do you do to make adventures that way? Well, first, uh, thanks for your kind words. Uh, I think I, I would mention two things, and one of them, one of our horsemen actually does better than me. It's one of the things that I'm trying to learn to emulate him. And the, the two things that stick out to me the most when we write adventures, and one of them I do really well, and one of them I'm learning to do better. Uh, I'll just say briefly, the one I do really well is I'm good at setting atmosphere. Uh, when I write, uh, you know, box six, it's used to describe an area. I try to use uh, all five senses if I can, or as many senses as I can, so that people really get a feel for and can and can suspend disbelief that they know uh, I'm not a miniature on a five foot, you know, or on a one inch square on this map. I am in a room and the room is dank and the room smells earthy and there are pinpoints of light beyond the door, you know, beyond that grate on the other side of that portal. And I don't really know what that is. Uh, and I hear running water in the distance. And if you can set that atmosphere and you can make that atmosphere, whatever you want, let's say it's, it's a horror atmosphere. You can try to fill people with dread or the expectation that, Danger is coming. Uh, let's say that there's a, you want a desperate moment and you want the players, you know, just sick that they may fail at rescuing, you know, these NPCs. You know, you want them to get that sense of desperation. The time is of the essence that you want to instill urgency. Uh, I think I do those things pretty well. And uh, creating that atmosphere is absolutely essential to writing a game that other people are going to want to play. And then maybe even replay, you know, if they want to try to. You know, role-playing is about making memories. You know, you have good times while you're there, but we, we spend the rest of our lives talking about those great, iconic moments that shaped the way that we saw games or, or that were really dramatic. And so uh, atmosphere has a lot to do with that. One thing I'd like to do better that Steve Rowe does fantastically is uh, NPCs in a game are truly three-dimensional. Uh, they he, he has a great sense of word economy where he can make sure that you understand what the NPC's kind of motivation is and how they're going to role play in a given setting. Uh, and they aren't just kind of cardboard cutouts to get you through a scene that every scene is an experience because of the way he crafts his NPCs. And I think it's fantastic. Dan does a really good job of that too, especially when he's GMing. You, you just never know that merchant could be the guy that you're looking for, the bad guy you're trying to find and he's being coy with you, or he could be a critical figure later. or He could be nobody, but you'd never know because the guy has a name and an accent and a, a uh, way that he intends to deal with you, and, and you you just don't know. You just deal with them like they're real three-dimensional people. Uh, and I'm going to add a third thing that I think we all three do pretty well, and we really understand villainy. Mm. Uh, uh, when your persona is a neutral evil outsider bent on destroying the universe, I guess you have to understand uh, villainy. Uh, but we like 
good villains. We like motivations for villains that are not just I have gone insane uh, or I have uh, I just want to please my evil outsider overlord and, and destroy the world uh, or I am super greedy or I am have to have revenge. You know, there are certain tropes out there that that when you tell a good story, they're fine to use. But we really want our villains to be fully developed three-dimensional people with a plan. And they're, if they're evil, they're willing to do evil things. And if they're not evil, but they're, you know, they're really clever, they're going to do really clever things. You know, understanding villains, I think, is so important. Uh, RPG Superstar, some of its best, most memorable rounds that really separated superstars from folks who didn't understand writing adventures. Uh, they had a villain round, and you could really tell who understood villains and who didn't. Uh, good bad guys really makes a huge difference uh, and helps set that atmosphere. And, of course, we accomplish that by making sure they're three-dimensional and you understand their motivations. And that makes our adventure writing unique. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more about villains, you know, to, to give them some sort of motivation beyond evil for evil's sake uh, that, that they think what they are doing is within the right, you know, um, is, is always a great way to go and a great piece of advice. I got a lot of credit for that in, uh, in RPG Superstar in 2013. You know, when I, when I pitched Bitter Manor in the final round, a lot of people's comments were, well, so this guy is really, he's, he's just mortal. He's afraid of getting old. He sees, he's a half-elf and he sees it happening to his friends and, and over time, he just realizes he'll do anything to prevent, you know, becoming old and frail and, and in his mind, you know, meaningless, which is, of course, part of the rub, right? The one member of this organization, the Golden Watch, as everyone else is getting older, he sees them getting older and he thinks that that means that they're becoming less relevant. Whereas the members of the Golden Watch, the human ones who are feeling their age and aren't adventuring as much anymore, you know, they're in their twilight years, but they enjoy getting together. They're kind of celebrated local heroes. Uh, and they don't age the same way. In fact, you know, two of them get married and, you know, they, they, they live their life together, you know, in their twilight years. But so the motivation of the primary villain of the book is really not the evil outsider that makes everything so difficult for the PCs, but it's the guy who strikes to deal with her that his motivation is just, I, I, I just can't get old. I can't do this the way you guys are doing. I've never seen that in an adventure. I mean, it's one thing for someone to achieve mortality, immortality, ooh-ha-ha-ha. It's another thing to have the very real human fear of being older and suddenly not meaning as much. And uh, so, you know, yeah, I think it's important to have motivations that are different and that we can relate to. The best story, the best stories are all human stories, right? The best villains have an element of sadness to them. The best horror stories and ghost stories are scary, but they're scary because to us they're real. They identify with human emotions. We talk about that in the horror setting and campaign planning in the blog here upcoming in October. Nice, nice. Well, I can't wait to check that out, and I'm sure the people listening can't either. Uh, where should they go when uh, when this thing drops? Where is the best place to start reading, start finding out more about the Four Horsemen now, and then on October 1st, where can they go? Well, right now, you said this is going to air maybe on the 28th. Yes. Uh, so uh, for the next couple of days, if you want to find out more about the Four Horsemen, you've got to visit our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash four horsemen official. Uh, you'll see the little red button with the four images of the four horsemen there. Uh, or, or we are on Twitter, uh, at famine FH. Uh, you come to at famine FH and you'll see the four horsemen site. You'll see the people that we follow and hopefully please follow us. You can see announcements and you can ask us questions about design stuff or stuff that's coming up and get announcements from us as well. Uh, on the first, our website will be live. Uh, and that is fourhorsemanofficial.com. Uh, and from there, you'll be able to find out a little bit more about us, both in, in our fun little, you know, uh, four horsemen personas 
and also about us personally. Uh, and then there'll be like a little message board you can chat about uh, uh, products. Uh, we hope to have a lengthy obituary uh, uh, message board where you can talk about the horrible things that happen to your PCs that are all our fault and blame us for it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, you can find out also about the people that we're proud to work with, uh, the companies and some of the folks that I call harbingers who are designers that we hire whenever we have a really big project or when I'm, when I'm doing development work. That's really in addition to that, the Four Horsemen website will have a link to the d20pfsrd.com site, uh, but uh, the the blog is actually going to be hosted there at John's website. We'll have a link to it where you can read part of it, and then if you want to follow the link, uh, hopefully you will. You can go there and and you know look up things on his website, check out our blog, uh, check out whatever product we've attached to it for the week. Uh, but you will actually find the blog at uh, d20pfsrd.com. Uh, another upcoming event we're going to do uh, at Gen Con next year. We're, in addition to the Four Horsemen Open, I'm going to I'm going to host an event uh, for superstar gamers by this year's reigning Iron GM champion. Uh, so if you if you go to Gen Con, go to that. But to, the tickets are, are such that you sit in the gallery, you'll get a chance to play with these guys who've won every D Superstar and have a, a game that's run by a guy who runs impromptu games and is just a blast. One of the greatest GMs I've ever had the privilege of sitting down and playing with. Uh, and the tickets, uh, 100% of the proceeds from the ticket go to the RCRF, the RPG Creator Relief Fund, uh, which is a charity that helps uh, with unexpected costs, typically medical costs, uh, for those who have created the hobby so that we can enjoy it. Uh, people who come before us and they didn't have all, you know, they, they, they didn't get to sell 30 or 50,000 copies of every book in order to become the success that, you know, some other RPG designers are. So those people who paved the way for us, who maybe haven't enjoyed some of the financial success uh, of the hobby, because uh, now the hobby is huge. And when they started, it was you know nothing. And they built it with their own bare hands. Uh, those people deserve our help, our attention and our gratitude. And so uh, I, I, and I'm not on the board, but I enjoy working with the board and being on RCRF. And I've given them a couple of ideas of things that I want to do to help raise money. So the first thing is uh, we're going to host this tournament. You can buy this ticket at Gen Con. Come, we'll have a lot of laughs. You'll see a fun adventure run by a great guy. And then uh, several people in the gallery will have a chance to, to input on the adventure uh, or to actually get up and play with us. And so there'll definitely be some involvement. The other thing is, is that we're going to put together for the RCRF an adventure where the designers and the layout folks, the artists and the cartographers, we're all donating our time and our words and our art. None of us will make any money on the issue at all. But what we'd like to do is we'd like to put together that time for these all-star authors to say thank you to, to the people who came before, like I was saying. And so every dime of proceeds from that product will go to benefit the RCF's uh, relief fund uh, so that we can help out folks who, who need that help but who also create, help create the hobby that we love. And so we're going to have uh, Ed Greenwood is committed to be a part of it. Uh, myself and several other RPG superstars like uh, Mike Wellham and Monica Marlowe and Victoria Yaxo. Uh, are all going to be a part of designing it. We're going to have fantastic photographers and, art and artists, uh, and Wayne Reynolds is going to do cover, uh, and he's going to donate his time for that. I mean, that's just a, uh, so nice of him to do, uh, and so we're going to treat that uh, donation of his time and talent, uh, as long with everyone else's. We're going to make a really amazing kind of old-school adventure, uh, and people will get to go get it, and then when you go buy it, just understand you're not giving us any money. Uh, you know, we make our money other ways, and we're doing fine with that. Uh, this will just go to make sure that we're helping to uh, take care of the folks who made the hobby what it is today 
uh, and we just want to say thank you to them and help them out whenever. So the, the, you can go find us. Uh, there's an RCRF website. You can also find the RCRF RPG Creator Relief Fund on Facebook. Go like that page and uh, check us out, uh, and then we'll keep you abreast of uh, uh, product bundles and other things. But we just want to do it to uh, for a good cause and to, to help out the people who are responsible for uh, this amazing hobby and the fun that we're having putting it together. You know, um, and we also have a podcast where the RPG Creators Relief Fund came on about a year ago, and they talked about their mission. They are a fantastic group of people, so thank you so much for doing this with them, Stephen. Uh, we'll link to that old podcast in the show notes for this episode over at thetomeshow.com, as well as all of the other great places where you can find out about the Four Horsemen. All right, Stephen, well, thank you so much for being on the roundtable today. Oh, thank you for having me. It is always fun, and I hope in a few months we can do it again. We'll have all four horsemen together and uh, can introduce our new guy, and uh, we'll have more stuff to talk about. Yes, absolutely. You guys are welcome back anytime. Let me know. I'd love to have the whole crew on. That'd be great. All right, everybody. I am here with Liz Tice, a sometimes roundtable panelist who is also an expert on all things from lone wolf development. Liz, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm happy it's Friday, um, and I'm looking forward to gaming this weekend. It should be good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What what will you be playing this weekend? Per- personally, I'm trying to work on a Fantasy Age um, campaign, and nice. I'm gonna, I want to test it out a bit with my husband. We'll see if I can um, wrangle him into uh, trying out the system. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys do. It seems like a great system. I haven't gotten to play it, but I have read the book and it is awesome. Oh yeah. I devoured it. It was, it was a good book. (laughs) So Liz, you are here to talk to us today about these Hero Lab Pathfinder class packs. What are these? Yeah. So class packs are new, uh, a new option for Hero Lab. And they really came out of this feedback we've been hearing from Pathfinder players, uh, the Pathfinder players that haven't started using Hero Lab before. And we found that when talking to these players, they all really want to have all the character creation options from a bunch of books. So like not just the core rule book, but like the advanced players guide, ultimate combat, advanced class guide, etc. But they maybe only played maybe a handful of classes. So maybe they played always a fighter or a cleric or a ranger. And so for them, looking at all the options in Hero Lab, it was really daunting um, because Currently, uh, or in the past, when you bought Hero Lab, you would buy Hero Lab and you'd get the the Pathfinder Core Rulebook, and you'd purchase those additional uh, books as add-on packages for an additional nine ninety nine, and that worked really well for people that wanted a lot of class options. But for those people that just wanted to play a fighter or just wanted to play a cleric, they it added up over time. So taking those, you know, cost-conscious players and and keeping them in mind, we came up with class packs, which allows you to get all of those character creation options for all seven of, like, what we determined to be the the essential rule books for Pathfinder and just get those handful of three to four classes, and it's only $30. So it's, it's really meant to be a cost-effective way to take advantage of Hero Lab um, for Pathfinder players. 
you know, when a system has been out for a long time, the way Pathfinder uh-huh. has been, um, and when a system is as popular a system as Pathfinder has been, you get a lot of splat books and yes. material like that uh, from Paizo or from whoever the publisher is. So this is kind of a way to be focused on the content that you want, but also have all of the options available for those classes that you want. Exactly. So like, you know, if you have a a wizard character, for example, you have spells and feats that can be utilized by the wizard that come out of tons and tons of books. And so, you know, if, if you, if we want it to be reasonable to get started with Hero Lab and, you know, for some people, they were looking at, you know, a lot of money just to play their one favorite class. And, you know, as much as we, you know, want you <laughs> to um, support us and support <laughs> our product, we also recognize that gaming in general can be an expensive hobby. And we we want we want people to continue the hobby, to be involved in the hobby. And so it's it's a balance of, you know, being able to run the company, <laughs> but also uh, making sure that people can can enjoy enjoy the hobby and get playing which in the end is our ultimate goal if you play in a pathfinder game right and let's say you're playing a game from levels one through 20 that could take a year or more um you know (laughs) Uh, and so this gives you the option of you know for 30 bucks being able to have a ton of options available to you as a player and that's kind of all you really need uh to get playing the game Exactly. And, you know, I think this is going to be really valuable for people um, that are new to Pathfinder because a lot of times when you're just getting started, you don't know what characters you're ultimately going to end up wanting to play. So if you say, you know what, I'm going to start off playing a fighter. Um, because we, f- we found when we did some, some research that fighter was the most popular class um, to be played in Pathfinder. <laughs> and, um, if you get started with a fighter, but, you know, a year down the line, you go, you know what, I really want to try out the bard. Um, and don't hate on bards, people. I love my bards. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if you end up uh, deciding you want to play a bard, you can add that class pack for just $7, uh, six ninety nine to be exact. Um, but it's it's really it's i mean that's the cost uh it's a little bit more than like a fancy starbucks drink i mean come on it's <laughs> it's not much <laughs> and then you get to be able to play that that other class um so it's it's really easy to to get started um as a new pathfinder player and just add on over the over time the classes that you end up wanting to try out wanting to play yeah, I mean that's that's a really great way to go ahead in there and and do that. Um and of course Hero Lab uh for those people who don't know is this amazing character building software among other things. Uh yeah. this, you know, that's what these um class packs would be great for. Uh what else do you get with these class packs? Are you able to uh you know, pick any race you want and that kind of thing? Yeah, so any of the races included in um, the Pathfinder Core Rulebook, the Advanced Player's Guide, Ultimate Combat, Ultimate Magic Advanced Class Guide, and Occult Adventures, and 
eventually Ultimate Intrigue. Um, all of the races included in those seven books are available through um, class packs. Now, it, uh, you can still add um, add-on packages like the Advanced Race Guide or, you know, player companions or campaign settings that add additional races, um, but those are add-ons separate from the class packs. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's really cool to uh that you get those things that you're not then paying individually for uh races or you know you you buy the one thing you're done that's it there's no like hidden costs or anything like that exactly and and what's um what's nice is that just like um what what we call sort of the rule book entry path which is that that way of you, uh, entering Hero Lab, buying, you know, the Pathfinder core rule book for $30 and then each book as an additional add-on. Just like that option, um, with the class packs, you still get the um, GM tools that are available in Hero Lab. So a lot of people know Hero Lab for the character creation aspect, right? That's, that's what it's known for. Um, but there's a lot of lesser known tools that are available for free um, with your purchase, <laughs> like the encounter builder and the tactical console, which are really helpful for GMs. And those are still available if you purchase um, class packs. So you can still take advantage of all of that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Then you get to be a GM, you get all of those things at your fingertips. Uh, and in addition to whatever class packs you buy. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the other options within Hero Lab. So obviously these class packs, which are new and exciting, are great. One of the things that I think is really cool about Hero Lab is it allows third-party developers like Cobalt Press, right, mm -hmm. to also bring in their Pathfinder material as well. Um, and then, you know, is, is also available for, for separate purchase and that kind of thing. But you don't see that from a lot of character builders only get the, the core stuff from one company, right? Yeah. Um, so we actually partnered with quite a few third-party publishers. Um, we have Cobalt Press. We have Green Ronin. We have Frog God Games. Um, Legendary Games is a, a new uh, publisher we've started working with, Right Publishing as well. Um, we we have a lot of your favorite third-party publisher uh, material available in Hero Lab. Uh, something that maybe isn't as well-known is mm -hmm. that you actually can um, create your uh, third-party published material and sell it on your own if you wanted to, or you can give it away for free. There's, um, you know, uh, there's a special license for that, and um, it's called Powered by Hero Lab, and we have a, a web page with more information. I can give the link to James if he wants to share that. But, it, you know, as long as you're not um, using anyone's IP, <laughs> um, you can go ahead and create data files um, for, for your uh, published material. So it's, it's, we've been finding more and more as people, you know, do Kickstarters for their third-party material that people have been requesting Hero Lab. And so Hero Lab files with it, uh, either as an add-on or a part of the Kickstarter. So it, we've been finding that more and more companies have been putting out Hero Lab support, which is great because that means, one, that people expect Hero Lab um, mm -hmm. uh, support when they're playing Pathfinder. And two that people are asking the publishers for it 
which is a great way for people to, you know, spread news about Hero Lab and also to, um, you know, get get publishers thinking about Hero Lab support as they're developing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, please send me those links because we'll definitely put it in the show notes over at thetomeshow.com. And I, for one, am very excited uh, for the open gaming license to come from Wizards of the Coast, and I'm hopeful that there will be good things for you in there. And I'm hopeful that Wizards will wise up and reach out to you guys. Uh, I know that that you can't officially comment on any of those things necessarily one way or the other, but uh, Hero Lab's a great software. Uh, everybody should go definitely check it out um, and and get a taste for it. You can play a ton of your favorite games on this thing. Uh, go after it. Go get it. And uh, Wizards of the Coast, I know you love listening to the Tome Show. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what? I, I, will, I will chime in just a little bit and say uh, to fans of D&D 5th Edition, uh, being one of them myself, uh, <laughs> we, we are talking to wizards of the coast we are trying really hard um to to get a license because that is something i mean gosh dnt is the the um you know it's the the foundation of d20 uh it's it's mm-hmm. what got many of us into the hobby um <laughs> so you know it's 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 we're not sitting back on our laurels just you know, going, eh, we'll see what happens. Um, we would love to support D&D 5th edition. If we aren't able to secure a license, um, we definitely, definitely want to support it through um, an OGL or an SRD or whatever is um, released by Wizards of the Coast, of course, as long as it allows for um, digital tools like here. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course. Um, but you know, the moment there's there's news, we'll share it. Um, but it, we really want to support it um, through Hero Lab. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the moment there's news, we will certainly have you back here on the yes. roundtable. Uh, and also, people should go check out those Hero Lab class packs. I'm going to go check them out right now. I love oracles, so uh, that's what's <laughs> for me. I'll always go by my bard. I love uh. my. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much for being here on the roundtable with me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. And you can leave us a comment about the show on thetomeshow.com in the show notes for this episode or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. And if you haven't liked us on Facebook yet, make sure you go and do that. Also, check out my blog, which is all about the 5th edition world I'm building called Exploration Age. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your 5th edition D&D games there. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks to Wolfgang, Steven, and Liz. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And if you like this show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.